Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Runway. Berto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you, as usual. Anyway, we have a lot to talk about. Welcome aboard. Wide Awake says, hello, everyone. How are you doing, Wide Awake? Welcome aboard, Michael Rudnan. How are you doing, Michael Rudnan? Welcome to the show. We are going to have a good one. I have three videos for you today, and I think you're going to like each one of them. Anyhow, starting out with what Michael Rudnan put on the screen, we've got Common Dreams, the must-stop, say climate activists targeting U.S. banks, fossil fuel financing, Alice Hugh of New York Communities for Change, which organizes Citibank, Sit and Explain. Our aim is to disrupt the banks as much as we can today to give them a glimpse of the destruction people are experiencing because of climate change. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Banks like City uh, City like to say verbally that they are funding the energy transition but in reality, it's business as usual, pumping money into harmful emissions that are linked to extreme weather events. What we are seeing here are grassroots efforts won among our last chance for preventing climate meltdown as the big banks and fossil fuel corporations put short-term greed over long-term survival. That's when I talk about the evil. I, I, I haven't gotten a, an envelope from you yet, uh, Michael. I haven't checked my, my, my mail today, but I'll go check my mail today. I'll let you know in the chat as soon as I do that. Uh, but no, I have not. I think you sent it to the, the, the regular address that you have. Anyway, uh, parved, parved, parved. welcome aboard. Uh, Deborah Moyers, hola, Pasi, she says. Michael Rudnan is also in the house. Carl Cox is in the house. Melanie Keelan from where again? From Barcelona, Spain. And likewise, we have our brother, Bruce Pollard, is right here in the house. He says, hi, today. All's going very well. AVQ, let's see, says, watching from Twitch, expecting company to arrive any minute. Might be AFK for a lot of the show. AFK. I'm off to learn some of these terminologies because AFK just went shush, over my mind. Uh, Michael Rowan says, where it sent it out last week, should have arrived by now. I didn't check yesterday, but I will check away from the keyboard. Got you, got you, got you, got you. Anyway, I'll check and I'll let you know right away, sir. I'll, I'll check as soon as I, I, I get off the program today. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Paraver, 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 paraver. Carl Cox is in the house. He says, Cox is here in the house. Conservatives promote death over life. Lee Grant is also in the house. Lee Grant, I don't think you were here yesterday. We missed you. Melanie from Barcelona, Spain as well. I think I mentioned her already and wide awake, of course, in the house. I want to start with, um, with a pretty, what I, what I think was a pretty good speech from Biden. As you know, he gave his three minute, uh, and I'm going to play, I'm going to play his speech first. And then I'm going to play the three minute video that, that he did to launch his campaign. And I want you guys to tell me, if, it, if both of these jive with you, which one you think is better? This is just outtakes from his speech today, but I really love how, and I made three cuts because I wanted to show how he sort of ridiculed Trump. Two, when he stated some technical facts about the economy. And three, 
oh my God, the business community has actually pointed out that the policies we put out there have worked. And I know you're going to, some people are going to say, well, some of the businesses are talking about his, the policies he put out were inflationary and all that. You know where I stand on that. You know what I've already, we have already proven that inflation was solely and mostly responsible by corporate greed. Anyhow, let's start with uh, Biden's uh, stuff and then we'll move on from there. I think you're going to like this. Let's go ahead and take care of that right now. Biden was taking no prisoners in his first quote unquote reelection speech. He went ahead and pointed out several things that his administration has accomplished from infrastructure to bring in reinvestment back into the country, to bring in manufacturing back into the country. And I think he did a darn good job. And moreover, uh, no bunch of falls in, his, uh, in what he had to say. I want you to listen to this and then we'll take it on the other side. Roads, bridges, airports, water systems, high-speed internet, and so much more. Can you believe we used to have the best infrastructure in the world? We were rated number one. We fell to number 13 in the international rank ratings, 13. Under my predecessor, Infrastructure Week became a punchline. On my watch, infrastructure has become a decade headline. A decade. But now, the private sector, at home and abroad, are investing over $400 billion in advanced manufacturing and clean energy here in America. Not an exaggeration to say that's in a scale never seen before in this nation. Never seen before. It's transformative. One of the private companies is investing as Intel. I visited what they call, what I call, the field of dreams, about 1,000 acres outside of Columbus, Ohio where Intel has committed $20 billion to build new two new chip factories. They call them fabs. They're the size of football fields. There'll be a total of 10,000 jobs, 7,000 construction jobs, prevailing wage, and 3,000 full-time workers in those fabs. You know what the average salary in those fabs is going to be? $130,000 a year, and you don't need a college degree. You don't need a college degree. It's about time. We see the same story not only in Ohio, but in New York and Texas, Arizona, Idaho, and so many more places to come. This is a real progress, like we haven't ever seen before. But don't take my word for it. Then read a couple of headlines from left-wing Democratic papers, the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> Wall Street Journal writes, quote, America is back in the factory business. Fortune magazine, Biden's manufacturing push is working. The Financial Times, transformational change. Biden's industrial policy begins to bear fruit. In a recent column in the New York Times, Make Manufacture Greater Again was the title of the article. It was on to say, President Biden appears to be presiding over the kind of manufacturing serve that Trump had promised. <laughs> Folks, <laughs> we're not making this stuff up. This is real. It's time to finish the job. Finish the job. 
But I also four more years. Four more years. Four more years. Four more years. Um, look, like everybody else, I'm concerned about Biden's age. Like everybody, like most progressives, I'm concerned that in a second term, will he be uh, a progressive champion in as much as he's not generically a progressive? I think with the power that progressives are gaining throughout the country, I think we can push him there. But we definitely cannot have somebody on the right representing us. So uh, the speech, if he can give the speech with this kind of a vigor, if he can give these sort of a speeches to promote what he really intends to do, landslide, House of Representatives with quite a few gains. And guess what else? I'll wager Senate gains in the Senate as well. Absolutely so, folks. Absolutely so. But I want to show you now what his video to start the uh, what his video looked like when he started the campaign. Let's take a look at it and then we'll go ahead and take it on the other side. Here it goes. Freedom. Personal freedom is fundamental to who we are as Americans. There's nothing more important, nothing more sacred. That's been the work of my first term, to fight for our democracy. This shouldn't be a red or blue issue. To protect our rights, to make sure that everyone in this country is treated equally and that everyone is given a fair shot at making it. But you know, around the country, MAGA extremists are lining up to take on those bedrock freedoms. Cutting Social Security that you paid for your entire life while cutting taxes from the very wealthy, dictating what healthcare decisions women can make, banning books and telling people who they can love, all while making it more difficult for you to be able to vote. When I ran for president four years ago, I said we we're in a battle for the soul of America, and we still are. The question we're facing is whether in the years ahead, we have more freedom or less freedom, more rights or fewer. I know what I want the answer to be, and I think you do too. This is not a time to be complacent. That's why I'm running for re-election. Because I know America. I know we're good and decent people. I know we're still a country that believes in honesty and respect and treating each other with dignity. That we're a nation where we give hate no safe harbor. We believe that everyone is equal, that everyone should be given a fair shot to succeed in this country. Thank you for choosing Thank us. You. Every generation of Americans has faced a moment when they have to defend democracy. Stand up for our personal freedom. Stand up for the right to vote and our civil rights. This is our moment. Finish this job. I know we can. Because this is the United States.
United States of America. There's nothing, simply nothing we cannot do if we do it together. I must admit, I liked it. It's a positive vibe. And you know, uh, if, we, if we continue to be forward looking, it's a positive vibe. Anyway, uh, let's see. Eric Hayes says, Egberto, you like the sovereign debt idea. Well, your dream has come true. People with bad credit will now be subsidized by those with good credits. Not a good idea. Eventually will not be able to afford things. I mean, I don't know where you're getting that information from. I do not know where you're getting that information from. That statement makes absolutely no sense. But what can I say, my friend? Uh, I don't know where you're getting that from. Eric Hayes, again, says there is a minimum age to run for president. There should be a maximum age to be uh, reelected. Our nation's in, uh, in worse shape today. That is not true at all. And it's provably not true. We can actually do the math. It's provably not true. Uh, Previously, the middle class was thriving. Absolutely not. Uh, as I've shown with the, the uh, uh, Richard, Richard Wolf, our, our wealth disparity and all of that has been increasing consistently for the last 40 plus years. OK, so that makes no sense again. And these are mathematically provable. What I'm saying is mathematical and provably so, sir. Please, let's not give this current one another four years. Well, if we don't, if it's him against Donald Trump or anybody on the right, we must give him another one. Eric Hayes, let's see. Lee Grant says, what about Biden's latest disaster in Sudan? How did Sudan become Biden's disaster again? Two generals fighting each other for control, and that becomes a Biden issue? Oh, my God. The, 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 come on, uh, uh, Lee Grant, stop buying or going into the right wing rat hole rabbit hole it makes no sense hello relatives e2247 welcome aboard my brother eric hayes uh 2008 resulted from a combination of banks hyping home loans and people not being able to pay those loans back coming uh back to bite the financial sector there's a movie called the big short which put it all together and i am doing a series called the big con with uh patrick lavelle that's going to show how this was done and it was a plutocracy the rich people, the bankers that constantly tried to turn over this. They gave people debt that they know they couldn't afford. But let's say, let, let's put it worse than that. Then they went ahead and got mathematicians to come up with ideas to mix bad debt paper with good debt paper. And when they mix those papers together, they claim that bad plus good debt was a class A type uh, investment instrument. And then they sold those instruments all around. And those instruments, as they were insured and resold across the system, it put a what? In, in software, we would call it a deadly embrace, meaning you get a lock up of the market because when one fails and it goes to get recompense from the other that has that from the other and he fails, he goes to the other one. And eventually it turns out we get into what's known as the deadly embrace. Everybody fails because the last person failing depended on the first one for insure. I mean, you have to understand the fraud that our economic system is that created 2008. You can, you can try to blame bad debt on people who shouldn't have gotten loans, but that wasn't the issue. The issue was they were just conduit for the con that was effected on us by the private sector bankers. That's what it was all about. All right, continuing. Uh, I hope you you read 
and learn these things. Deborah Moyer says, if we are a laughing stock, it's because the maggots and their fascist agenda. We're not a laughing stock at all. But I tell you one thing, uh, because of a lot of the things that we're doing, BRICS is going to be our problem. Remember, BRICS is larger than the G7. I repeat, BRICS is larger than the G7. Okay? Which means uh, Brazil, the economies of Brazil, India, Russia, China, and South Africa are larger than the G7. And what that really means is, whereas we have a sovereign currency and a lot of people are backed by our currency, when BRICS comes out with its own currency and it starts getting a bit more serious, we are in trouble. That is true. And our debt will no longer be financed at whatever we want any longer. But the cleanup doesn't mean that we hurt the middle class. A cleanup means we take back from the, from the people who pilfered us all these years, take back what this economic system, this fraudulent economic system has done to extract from the masses and put it on to the few. Again, I, I, I hope you guys understand economics. BRICS, there are going to be several power centers here. There are, there's BRICS, there's the G7, and then everything else. And the competition right now will be BRICS and G7, all right? And the G7 ain't, ain't anything there, folks. Um, again, the G7 is a declining market. All right, continuing. Um, so every case, there is some, there is some, there's something to what you're saying about sovereign currency, but it is not as simplistic as you would uh, try to make it to be, my dear brother. All right, uh, let's see. Michael Rodney says, when manufacturing comes back to the U.S., high-paying manufacturing jobs will not. Most of these jobs have been automated. I want more manufacturing coming back to the U.S., but I'm fully aware that what that would mean. Here is the deal, uh, Rodney. I agree that uh, a lot of this stuff is going to be automated, and justifiably so. If we can get a machine that is 10 times more efficient than a human being, I want that machine to be used, right? And here's what that does for us. You see, when we think about automation, when we think about robotics, when we think about all these things, we start to think about, oh my God, people won't have jobs. McDonald's is going to be automated. Burger King is going to be automated. The building of cars are, are vastly automated and all of that, and which means less human labor. Great. That's marvelous. We've, we've been able to offload our work without slavery. We're able to offload our work and have less work available. That is great. If and only if we had an economic system that didn't pilfer and depend on the stolen intellect of others. Let me explain. The reason we are going to get robotics that automate everything, the reason why eventually McDonald's will be automated, the reason why all these things are going to be automated is because of our collective intellect, our collective wisdom designed all the microchips and all the things that were necessary to build all these things that put us out of work. But the generation of cash and all of that sort of stuff continues. So how should we address that from a societal point of view? From a societal point of view, it means that instead of working a 40-hour week, we probably should be working a 20-hour week. Or maybe we'll work uh, three weeks on while somebody else have three weeks off. So, uh, we should have a different working structure. 
Not that the plutocrats who didn't invent a thing, just the capital sector, the way it works now, automation does not help the common middle class person. Automation only helps the people who least had anything to produce said automation. The plutocrats, the rich folks, the the executives, all of them profit from our collective intellect to build these automations that put us out of work. As it puts it out, it shouldn't be putting us out of work. It should be increasing our value, not the value of the stockholders, but our value because we created, we created these things. And if we were to change our form of thinking as far as who deserves, who created, we would have a different economic system based on, based on what and whom created things I mean, but what can I say? All right, let's continue reading. I'm underwhelmed like much of the electorate. I, 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 I have no, I, I, I am with you on that one, my friend. I'm with you on that one. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Um, we have Michael saying personal freedom. There's the negative freedom regarding bodily autonomy. There's a positive freedom of a societal that a society that aims towards preventing poverty while ensuring everyone can thrive. Now, who's actually pushing those ideas? We actually see that in the video. Thank you very much for pointing that out. Uh, he better kick butt on the debt limit shenanigans and Feinstein refusal to resign. Uh, yep, I mean, I, Feinstein is a very selfish woman. Uh, let's see, Deborah Moyers, both good speeches, freedoms need to be protected. To have the rest, Lee Grant says, where does Biden stand on trans women beating up on girls in competitive sports? That's a subjective way of looking at it. Bruce Pollard said, now tell me we don't need a dynamic economy to make this happen, which will help everyone at least some. No, no, we need a dynamic economy. A dynamic economy is not predicated on having stockholders who do nothing to create. Again, the stockholder, we, we have an economic system based on capital, right? I have capital, I can buy services. It's just another form of slavery, Right. I have capital, I can buy something with that. And I can buy your intellect, I can buy your service. No, we need to have a system predicated on, on, on something else. And the way to start is if capital doesn't flow into investment, and by the way, right now as it is, most of our invention, most of our intellectual things, because corporations don't, they, they will tell you they take a lot of risks, Right corporations do not take a lot of risks. It's important for us to get that. Corporations don't take a lot of risks. The way it works is little companies take risks, you know, because they're inventing something and, and, and whatever. And government takes the risk because they, they give grants to hundreds, thousands of universities to create something. That's where the risks goes, right? And then a corporation sees, oh, we get RNA technology that looks like it's feasible. We buy the patents. We take all this stuff in. And all that intellect that came from the, the minds of people paid for from the taxpayer goes into just those shareholders who bought that drug to put it out. And when they're populating it back or giving it back to us, we pay the premium, transfer our wealth to them, irrespective that you would think given that we were the initial investors, the initial creators of all these things, that some of that profit that's coming from those high-priced drugs will go right back into the coffers of America. It does not work that way. And the, the, in, the, the 
in not only in humanity, the selfishness, the 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 wrongness of that. I I fear that enough of us have been so indoctrinated into our economic system that we do not see that there is a sect in this country that gets away with doing little while those of us who create never are are compensated appropriately and society as a, at, at large because again like I, I always say I'm an engineer I went to the University of Texas I paid high tuition my first few years because I was a foreign student but I I didn't pay near what my university education cost I always say to Texans thank you Texans thank you Americans because that university system that you built that was made with tax dollars. And of course, by the way, I paid hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes. So, I mean, uh, subsequently to really, you know, pay my way back for having been educated in the University of Texas. But my point is, my point is that uh, we are, it is collectively we who created either with our intellect, with our work that paid taxes that eventually made it to universities and elsewhere. But the way the system works, those aren't the people who collect on the on the spoils. It's just a few that collect on the spoils. And that is what needs to change. But we have to have the courage to change that. All right, let's see. Deborah Moyer says, both good speech. Uh, uh, Lee Grant says, where is, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, no, that was Bruce I, I read. Uh, Deborah Moyer says, maybe Eric goes to sleep with headset on tune to Fox. I don't know. Uh, Bruce says 200 years ago, the max age would be 55. True. And guess what happened to the max age in America? It's going down. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with gun violence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Every case says home buyers with good credit scores will soon be facing higher mortgage fees as the Biden administration seeks to close the racial home ownership gap and get more first time and low income buyers through the door. A new federal rule could raise the monthly mortgage payments. I love the way how you guys extrapolate things, right? by $60 a month, while riskier borrowers will get more favorable terms because their fees will be reduced. Okay, I see where you're getting. And you see, what what you don't talk about is inherent unfairness of somebody who doesn't have good credit for, let's say, bankruptcies caused by medical issues. Every every one of these cases should be an individual case. But I'm not going to go there yet because there's much more to do. How was the radio show today? The radio show uh, this morning was good, but we still have some issues. I can hear the callers in, but they couldn't hear me. So it's some some connection, some uh, line at the station that we're still working on. Michael Reza, Egberto, when conservatives look back with rose-tinted glasses, they see a time when a single breadwinner could get home. This was back when the top marginal tax rate was over 90%, and they never see that, right? They don't know that. Again, when you don't teach history anymore, when you are anathema to historical facts or when it is that you don't want things learned, that's an issue. Daniel Ledo says, Egberto ignores any info that doesn't fit his narrative. That's not true at all. I listen to every piece of narrative that comes across. Bruce Pollard said, that happens when we commit too far to one direction. I, 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 I agree with, I don't know what too far means. I know what too, what is right. Too far to one direction, I am not sure. And that is issue that I generally have when people say they are center, brother Bruce. And that is, what does that really mean when you go too far? What does too far mean? I like to have conservatives keep me grounded. What do I mean by that? I may, I may see things as far as uh, we should 
give a, a let's say basic income should be this large and, and this should be covered or and a conservative may come and say but no that may restrict that person's will to go out there and you know they're going to be kept now uh, their, their will to perform which i found to be true and i've changed my opinions on some of those on, on the on the on the the the, the breadth of issues i've changed some of my the, the the program on that you know things like work the requirement for work and all of that but i also went out and say you also need to teach from the time you are growing up you have to teach thank you very much roberto for becoming a part of our uh pdr posse with in the oh wow gracias hermano but let let me let me first tell you uh so what what we have to do is Teach civics early on in school. Teach the responsibility of work, right, etc. I mean, let, talking about myself, the way I was reared was always to work. One of the reasons I work as hard as I work is that was instilled in me from the time I was a child. But there are certain values that aren't instilled in us as Americans because there are things like civics that that are not taught anymore, that is not taught anymore. Uh, we, we like to talk about patriotism, but we don't learn about how our system really work. There's so much that, that, that comes from our positive indoctrination, the indoctrination of working as a collective for everybody. That's what I believe in. I don't believe, I, I mean, it doesn't matter how much I make. When, when I made a lot of money with doing software, it, it, I, the, 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 the money became less material than the work, right? Than doing something, than creating something. And most of the people I do know, that's how they are. But if you grow up in, 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 in a society or, 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 or in an area where uh, all you saw was the degeneracy that humanity can become, you don't see that. I also learned a, a, a lot of times, if you grew up always getting something, you have a tendency not to work for something. And, and, and you, these are things that conservatives have changed some of the way that I thought because they were able to prove the factual nature of some of these issues. But what we have now are those that are calling themselves conservatives now. They are doing none of that. It is just a and I'm not talking about anybody specifically, but it's just a sheer wanting to see human pain. And that is what I just don't get. An unfairness that I just don't get. All right. E2247 says, Noam Shamsky on China, artificial intelligence, the 2024 presidential election, YouTube. Noam, yep, I saw that. Uh, debt is bad on all levels, makes you a slave. No, no, no. You sometimes have to be in debt because we are already slaves to a system. Uh, Michael Rodnin says, BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Michael, I didn't know BRICS was still a thing. BRICS is big. Oh, no, BRICS is a big thing. That is the reason China and India has not have not joined the United States in their attack on Russia. Because there is an, uh, the BRICS alliance is real. There is a bank that they control. There's, I mean, again, one of the things uh, is that we don't cover these things on our local news or our national news because 
we are centralized on ourselves and everything else doesn't really mean anything. So that as the rest of the world goes on, as the rest of the world moves away from, from us, by the time we're, you know, the, the, the tortoise and the hare, by the times the hare find out that the tortoise has gone so far ahead, it's over. All right. As it comes to manufacturing and automation, it's not just a matter of efficiency, but for precision such as computer chip manufacturing, the precision required is beyond what a human can craft through, and it's a speed human hands cannot keep up with. Efficiency, absolutely. All right, Carl Cox, every minute of the day, Eric Hayes shows his lack of knowledge. Uh, actually, I think Eric Hayes is more is knowledgeable, but just trying to fit reality with his indoctrination, but that's life. Eric Hayes says, Egberto, you wanted people like Feinstein and Fetterman enjoy it and embrace it. You voted them in live with the aftermath. Oh, I, I, and I would do it again. I definitely, I don't want Republicans in the Senate. They're overrepresented based on population. Of course. Now, it's incumbent on Californians to vote more sensible people in. Bruce Pollard said, in your utopia, none of the bad things will happen, but we need to take steps in the proper direction, in the proper direction. I agree 100% with that statement. 100% with that statement. Uh, like I, sp- I don't know if you saw yesterday when I, uh, or heard when I said yesterday, as an engineer, I understand that large gradient, when you have large gradients, bad things happen. In other words, if we were to try to change everything all at once, the disruption would be so large that uh, there are things. There, there are things that would. Let me give an example. Let's talk about healthcare. I want healthcare for all, right? Uh, which means we will get rid of insurance companies in healthcare. What are the consequences of doing things like that? Well, there are a whole lot of people whose entire portfolio is based, let's say, on insurance companies. There are also a lot of employees in these healthcare insurance companies. Also, there's a lot of technology that is designed to do things like optimize optimize a, a, a doctor's office on how to build insurance companies on coding. There is a complexity that few understand, even just between the insurance company and the doctor's office and the software that goes to maximize that doctor's office's profit. Things that should never be done. It's all... We profit on inefficiency in healthcare. So all those things are occurring within, within um, healthcare. So how will you change healthcare in a manner that is the least disruptive? You have to first start, in my opinion, from the beginning. Everybody has access to healthcare. All the other mechanism is how money is moved around in the system. So we are predicated first that everybody who goes to the doctor gets seen. Everybody who goes to a hospital gets care. When it comes to uh, the, the, the payment methodologies, we'll have to create systems. And, I, and it's, uh, that is above my pay grade, but we have a lot of intelligent people. Bruce, you're a scientist. You can get involved. Uh, so, I mean, there, there, there are a lot of ways that we can do it. But what we have to do is keep the human side first. Everything behind the scene can be taken care of from a mathematical point of view. All right. Eric K says, you don't need credit if you teach financial freaking literacy. That is not true at all. Eric, if you, let's say you have a million dollars in the bank right now and you get a certain kind of disease, your wife, not you, because you may say, I'll just go ahead and die. Your wife get a certain kind of disease and there's a cure. 
but our capitalist system says that that cure out of pocket is going to cost you $1.2 million. And you do your calculations. You say, well, I have a million dollars. I'm going to save my wife's life. How can I get another $200,000? You would need to get a loan. And because you don't have anybody else to give it to you. Roberto Lewis is in the house and he says, saludos, politics done right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bruce, those in the American left are mostly social Democrats. We want living wages, universal health care, free public colleges, environmental protection, social justice, and general improvement. I agree 100%. None of those things are too far. I agree. Uh, too far for me is when we speak disrespectfully or call the people who don't think as we do names. I can agree with that. In fact, I think with the uh, with the that's what we learn at Coffee Party. Now, let me let me put a caveat onto that, though. I want to put a caveat onto that. When I talk about the Republicans in the Austin legislature, and when I call them evil, I am not calling them names. I'm calling what they're doing. It's not calling them names. It's calling them, it, it's what they're doing. It is evil to have the Medicaid expand the Medicaid uh, uh, the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care available to cure people in your state, and that you will let those people die. Over two thousand of them every year die. That is evil, and that should be called out by name. When you are throwing guns onto the market. When you allow the gun crooks, and notice that's a name I'm calling them because what they're doing, those dead babies in Uvalde, those dead kids, those dead folks that are out there because we chose to have policies that kill, that is not a name I'm calling them. That is who they are. Eric Hayes says, China and India don't want world leaders forcing them to relinquish their country independence and control its fossil fuels and national security. Okay. All right. Daniel Ledo says, so Egberto just said he thinks some conservatives are motivated by a desire to see others in pain. Surely he doesn't believe he shares a country with millions of psychopaths. I said some conservatives and you just said it there. I said some conservatives. Unfortunately, those are the conservatives who have been elected. Basing political arguments and subjective notions is juvenile. I agree 100%. And that's why I just explained that, uh, that the, the reality is when I call these folks in Austin evil, I, I, I mean it. I'm not calling them a name. I mean that their acts are evil, making them evil. Bruce Fowler said, Eric, you're correct. They don't like the World Economic Forum. All right, I have another video to show. And this one is about, uh, you know, talking about re Republicans and policies. And our Jones did a good job in explaining it here. And this is a piece. I cut this out of what I did this morning at KPFT. Check it out. Hope you uh, get what, what I'm trying to, uh, to get, a, get across right here. Here we go. Have you wondered why right-wing MAGA Republicans in legislatures around the country are passing laws that are either trying to make 
take women's rights away, suppress voters, ban books, vilify our transgender and LGBTQ brothers and sisters, and concentrate on issues far removed from policies to help families? It is simple. And Justin Jones laid out in an interview he did with Joyen Reed on MSNBC. Just read out. I want you to listen to uh, this young man I consider a hero. Representative Jones, I want to read to you the list of what actually passed in your state legislature during this session. Um, it was further limits on teaching social justice, racial equality, political science and social work, psychology and other fields, anti-trans legislation, ban on gender affirming care for transgender minors, ban on public drag performances, liability protection for gun manufacturers and dealers in the state, expanding school vouchers, $125 million in teacher pay raises, that's a good one, and transportation funds. This does not sound like the priorities, other than the teachers getting some money, of the people of Tennessee. Mm. What is the point? Yeah. I mean, that isn't a moral agenda. And even the teachers' raises, the part that is left yeah. out is that they attack teacher unions with that raise. Of course. <laughs> and so there's always a catch. Yeah. And you see this immoral extremist agenda that's meant to deflect and distract from their failures. That in Tennessee, um, one in five children live in poverty. That we've had more rural hospitals closed per capita than any other state in the nation because we haven't expanded Medicaid. Mm -hmm. That we have, you know, people who are homeless. That we have, we have extreme poverty. And they wanted to focus on these issues because they don't want us to, to really talk about how they have failed as a supermajority. They control every branch of government in Tennessee and, and our people, their lives are not getting better. Our people's lives are still suffering. And so I think that is, that is what this agenda is. It's, it's agenda to try and have you look over here so you don't pay attention to what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, let me, I have to play this for you because I couldn't believe it when I was hearing it. Uh, this is a mom mm -hmm. who is trying to speak with a representative named Scott Campbell. Yes. Uh, this is the exchange that blew my mind. Take a listen. Get him shot with a handgun versus an AR-15. Which one? Survivable for a child. You don't want to give them even the slightest chance. There, there are a lot of ways that people can die. I, that was that blew my mind. So that seems to be the mentality. Is there anyone in the Republican side who thinks differently than that? That you could even come together with to pass gun reform legislation? There, there are some that will say it quietly behind a closed door, but do they have the courage of, of knowing what's right? Do they have the courage to put children before guns? Um, that is our, that's our concern. I think there, you know, there's 24 of us. If we could get 26 of them to agree, I think there probably are 26 of them that might agree with us. Do they have political courage? Do they have the ability to vote the right way? to put kids first before guns. That is the question. That is the question. That is, in fact, the question. Do they have the courage? Do they have the wherewithal to do so? Um, and, you know, I mean, the, the two the two Justins and I can't remember her name right now. Uh, what they did in Tennessee is nothing short of impressive. Jones inferred that it was a bait and switch. As hospitals are closing in the rural areas, they dominate. They do not want their constituents to know it is the failure to accept the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act. In other words, these purported pro-life politicians are killing their constituents from ideologically driven evil neglect. This is playing out throughout our country. And the thing about it, like I tell everybody, you still have the power. How can you have rural hospitals closing around the country when there is money available? If those governors chose, if those Republican uh, legislatures chose 
to accept the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act, which would just cost them 10 percent. 10 percent. So your life is not even worth a slight 10 percent of what it actually costs to serve you. This is in your hands, people. Uh, whenever you have an issue going to the doctor, you can't because you can't afford it. Whenever you go bankrupt because of the way the healthcare is currently running, you have options. But right now, we have allowed ourselves to be snowed by the people in power who are, who are paid, who are paid to vote against your interests to ensure that you, your wherewithal, goes up the ladder to the select few. You are the ones supporting it, my brothers and sisters. You are the ones. All, you know, people always talk, government's bad, government is bad, government is not bad because we are government. We are the ones who put them there. We are the ones who have the power to say whether government is going to be good or bad. It's in our hands. It's an abrogation of our duty. It's a dereliction of our duty as citizens of the United States. When we put people in there that, that knowingly, knowingly causes harm, it is a dereliction of the vote that we have, the vote that we fought for. When this country was formed, only 5% of Americans could vote. We have worked it. Activists have worked it on and on. Women got the vote. Minorities got the vote. People started getting the vote over and over and over again. Folks, brothers and sisters, it's not, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing. I have one more minute here to go, so I'm going to say this real quickly. It's in your hands. Government is not bad. You are government. You chose how government is going to be. Let's do it. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form. Absolutely. So we are the we are government. And I think it's high time for us to recognize that and act accordingly. I have one last thing. You know, the guns are the issue. Guns are the issue. And guess what? It turns out that uh, it's something that we, we, we all knew. But now we have the mathematical, statistical facts about it. Check this out. And then we'll take this on the other side as well guns you have no control with somebody who is able to get an ar-15 walk into your school walk into your store walk into your home and blow you to smithereens that's the difference and that's why we should be concentrated on those particular issues it's not about wanting to take guns away from people it's about wanting to live it's about wanting to not be fearful to go to a movie theater it's about not wanting to be fearful if i go to a restaurant it's about not wanting to be fearful for existing in a park that's all i am not willing to die because you think a piece of paper says you shall your your right to have an arm shall not be abridged i am not willing to die for a piece of paper that was written by folks 200 something years ago that never had a thought that there would be people that will take an AR-15 that's not even the guns they're talking about and kill. Is that so difficult to comprehend? Is that so difficult to say, my God, humanity first, humanity first. If you continue with the article, 
If you grew up in the coal mining region of eastern Pennsylvania, your chance of dying of a gunshot is about half that if you grew up in the coal fields of West Virginia, 300 miles to the southwest. Someone living in the most rural counties of South Carolina is more than three times as likely to be killed by gunshot than someone living in the equally rural counties of New York's uh, Adirondacks or the impoverished rural counties facing uh, Mexico across the lower uh, reaches of the Rio Grande. Think about that. These are rural areas. These are people like your guns too. The Deep South is the most deadly of the large regions at 15.6 deaths, gunshots per 100,000 residents, followed by Greater Appalachia at 13.5. That's triple and quadruple the rate of New Netherland, New York area, the most densely populated part of the continent, which has a rate of 3.8, which is comparable to that of Switzerland. Yankeedom is the next safest as at 8.6, which is about half that of the deep South and the left coast follows closely behind at nine El Norte, the Midlands, Tidewater and four West fall in between people in short. It is time for us to unabashedly shame the misinformation and attack every false statement in a graphic manner. Just like I am talking about it right now, I hope that those that are listening, I hope I've been su sufficiently persuasive with the mathematical facts. I hope I'm somewhat persuasive with the moral facts. I hope I'm socially persuasive in such a manner that you take a look and say, oh my God, I see it. Narrative is everything. The way people tell stories is everything. Telling a story when you see a lot of dead babies, a lot of dead children in school, there's a narrative. How can we tolerate something like that? But then another narrative comes out that says we can do nothing about it. I want you to just uh, listen to uh, the piece about gun violence that I had prepared. In the face of rising mass shootings, Republican politicians have frequently shifted the narrative to gun violence in blue cities. Look at Chicago, look at Baltimore, look at New York City, they say. But if you actually look at the numbers, the actual numbers, big cities and blue states are actually a lot safer per capita. A new investigative report in Politico magazine argues gun violence is worse in red states. And according to its author, Colin Woodard, the data shows, quote, it's not even close. The New York region is far and away the safest part of the U.S. mainland when it comes to gun violence. While the regions Florida and Texas belong to have firearm death rates per capita three to four times higher than New York. That includes both homicides and suicides. Joining me now is the director of the Nationhood Lab at Salva Regina University, Colin Woodard. Colin, thanks for being here. Um, so when I when I we hear this a lot from Republican politicians especially during political campaigns. Look at all the violence in these blue states. Look at all the gun violence. This is why gun laws don't work. When you looked at the data, can you just explain what you saw? Yeah, so at Nationhood Lab, we look at a lot of data that uh, regionalism matters because in the United States, regions are very different. 
And we do it using uh, original settlement maps to understand the true cultural differences between the regions. And what we, we knew that gun violence would have uh, enormous regional differences from prior scholarship. And we looked into it. And indeed, it's enormous. Um, regions of the country that I guess you would call blue regions are among the safest places and amongst the most dangerous ones are some of the red regions, particularly the deeper lowland south, with rates for things like gun deaths, overall suicides and homicides that are four times that of the originally Dutch settled area around what's now New York City, or, you know, two and threefold differences in terms of uh, homicides, white homicides, six and sevenfold differences per capita when it comes to uh, suicides and the like. So the differences are enormous, almost like you're looking at separate countries. That you heard that almost like living in separate countries. So, folks, uh, here is the ask. I, you know, uh, I have people in the chat that always say, stop just telling about the problem. Start talking about solutions. There are, in fact, solutions. When uh, you elect a congressperson, they're, they're out there in the legislature doing as they please. Please remember this. You have the power. You have the power. Like I said, the next election and whether this is a local election, state election, or national election, get these people's positions on guns and make sure to elect somebody who is going to be looking out for the well-being of your mother, your father, your sister, your daughter, your brother, your wife, your husband, etc. Let's make sure. Let's make sure that that is what's occurring, folks, and make that be your vote. You can make a change. You can stop the AR-15s from gunning down people. You can do that if you elect, because it's in your hands to do that. And likewise, for healthcare, I always bring up healthcare because it's a major issue. You can determine who is going to make sure that your family, those that have been throwing GoFund, why is there GoFundMe's for healthcare in America, the richest country in the world? We, all right, you know, uh, uh, Mike Cisak, I find quite amazing, right? Because here's what Mike Cisak says. He says, the only, uh, Egberto, except you leave out a whole bunch of facts. The South is the most, you know, again, the gun-touting, shooting people up, Right. The only dangerous areas are in the high black population areas. These areas is in, uh, is in a belt area along the northern part of the southern states. Uh, otherwise, the murder-homicide rates drop dramatically in the white rural areas in the southern states. You know, so it's a typical thing, right? Put the blame, uh, it, it, and, and simplistically, he may, he may look like he's right. Because, you know, you look at the areas, Birmingham... And, and these these high uh, uh, black population area with a lot of crime. So you kind of give it to him that the crime rates there is high, right? But black people make up 13% of the population, right? Of course, they make up 13% of the population. What he forgets is another high, very high area of crime is Appalachia. And then it brings into the fact that we always speak about crime is a socioeconomic issue in the aggregate. So trying to make this a black and white issue with guns is actually makes you seem like you are like you have a racial issue. 
by saying, oh, criminality is black. Criminality is not black. Criminality is a socioeconomic issue. CSAC is always wrong because he tries to look at it whenever the negative things occur. It somehow has to do with the black folks. I am sorry, sir. You're wrong. You should try learning to accept and understand statistics. The crime, relative crime rate is the same among people of socioeconomic stature. Go ahead and go back to Appalachia and compare Appalachia to the other areas as well, sir. I've done it. Bruce says, Moms Demand Action is a start in the right direction. Now someone with, who spends a lot of her free time to make that happen. Uh, your wife is a wonderful person who is doing that work, Bruce. Now, let me tell you better, folks, and I need to add this before we're at the close. We're at the close. Anyhow, West Virginia is one state in Appalachia, and look for the regions. Read the article. It's in the blog. You will learn a lot from reading the article. The bottom line is simple. First of all, the black folks that are popping caps into each other because of what I said, uh, the, the negative stereotype, they didn't create the guns. They are not owners of these weapons that kill human beings, okay? Let's, let's, start, let's get real here. I am not blaming white folks or blaming black folks or blaming any particular folks, but I'm telling you, black folks don't have gun factories. Black folks didn't enslave folks in America. Black folks didn't skin people alive. Black folks didn't uh, uh, do uh, hangings, didn't do uh, hangings and have the whole population come and watch black people hanging by trees as a display. When you try to dehumanize black folks, my dear Mike Cisak, look at what the people who looked like you and my, my white brothers and sisters in here. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to racist folks who don't get it. The people who skin people alive, whip them till they bled, killed their babies, took their babies away, hung them on trees. That humanity wasn't the humanity of the black folks you talk about. So be careful when you try to assign any of this to a race. Because your, your forefathers, what your forefathers did in this country to others, the annihilation of the entire indigenous people, people who originally helped you survive on this country. Let's not try to talk about black folks doing anything, okay? Because again, the criminality in this, from the inception of this country didn't start with black folks being criminals, black folks doing killings. Let's be clear here. It's important, important that we not allow a Mike Cisak narrative, which is a white supremacist narrative, to be effected, folks. And the reason I'm talking about it is that he puts it there, and I want to bring it out so that those who are listening subsequently to our podcast will understand what white supremacist uh, racial connotations look like. And there you have it from Brother Mike Cisak. Okay? There you have it. Now, you cannot compare the evil that was done against the indigenous people, against black folks, against Chinese, into anything that is occurring today. Be careful. Whenever you're pointing a finger, it all points back. My name is Egberto Willis. Thank you so kindly for all being a part of the show. I forgot to do my ask. So I ask you to go to politicsdoneright.com slash support to support our program. 
we try our best to keep people educated so that they don't end up with the mindset of Mike Cisak, who shows exactly with his examples where he's attempting to head based on the white supremacist caricature that he that he that he has based on who he listens to, etc., etc., etc. Please support our program at politicsdoneright.com slash support. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.